This episode of the Kick Knowledge Podcast is powered by rapanalysis.com. He's back. <laughs> Sorry. I don't I don't I don't want to jump your intro, but yeah, sure. Um, I'm back. <laughs> no, he, yeah, he's back, people. You're listening to the Kick Knowledge Podcast. My name is Steven. And I'm Zach. And we're two white boys who love to talk about hip-hop, but today, today we're, we're three. three white boys. We're three. <laughs> I'm Martin Connor, and I'm the editor-in-chief and all-around badass at rapanalysis.com. Yes, he is. Yeah, and, Martin, um, we've had you on twice now, and this yes. is the third time. I got it. Yeah, yeah, it's the third time. Okay, cool. But it feels like a lot more because... Um, uh, that's what I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah, because like, uh, I, I, we've mentioned this in the pod before, but now finally we can sort of announce it as a team, the three of us on air, oh. if that if that's a thing you can say on for podcast. But, um, I think so. Yeah, we've, uh, uh, a, f- a few few weeks ago, I guess a few months ago, around sort of the turn of like, in January, I think we decided, you know what? We really like rapanalysis.com as a platform. Martin was like, I really like Kick Knowledge as a podcast. And we're sort of we sort of got this similar idea of what we want to do in hip hop media and hip hop journalism and whatever it is that this is that we're doing. Whatever it is that we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, why not join forces? So we like, yeah, I, why not? So we did. And um here we go like it's it's for a few few episodes now it's been the kick knowledge podcast powered by rapanalysis.com and so far it's really working for me how about you zach yeah totally it's um it's a lot of fun so yeah um we've announced it before but now officially announcing it rapanalysis.com and kick knowledge the kick knowledge podcast have partnered up to bring you the best content the internet has to offer Zach, a little bit more enthusiasm. It was clearly just yeah, Martin and me applauding. Phone, and now, I, I mean, God. I'm going to... Yeah, it thank just, you. It wasn't Put enough. Now down. I have to add a sound effect to make it sound more epic. I'm just, I figured you were going to do that anyway. Yeah, I was, but, not, but now I have to. And it's just like, we were talking about like speeding up the recording process, and it just adds a little bit it of just, work. It know? just takes longer. <laughs> but yeah, so it's so great to have you on the show again, Martin. We have a bunch to talk about mm-hmm. about our sort of everything, brand new we've partnership. Talked, but a lot well, we've of talked previously. Sorry, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked previously on previous episodes that you've been on about the book you were working on, or you were ready to get published. Now it is published. Yes. It's out. I know. Oh, so yeah, if you want to, you want to chillously plug, yeah, the for real. musical artistry of rap by Martin uh, E. Connor, with a foreword by uh, Kyle Adams and an afterword by uh, Zachary. Um, it's a uh, it's a really cool book. I'm I'm still in the process of reading it. I think um, because uh, we met when I was in Boston to give a guest lecture there at Northeastern. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Martin actually came out to watch the talk, um, and it was so much fun. We only briefly got the chance, like, got the chance to briefly hang out, but um, uh, but he gave me a copy already of the book, signed and everything, with a very nice sort of uh, message. Yeah, 
in the book. Yeah, what, what, uh, did, I, I guess I didn't put a rap lyric in yours, did I? No, I just you said, wrote a message. You said, yo, Steven, dog, that was nuts. I no longer need yeah. to do like 10 of the projects I had planned because you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, man, because when I saw, yeah, and when we met in Boston, you know, I came to your class where you showed, uh, you were a guest lecturer in Murray Furman's class at Northeastern, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. And what, what was the name of that class? Media and Hip Hop? Hip Hop in and as media, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so seeing your talk, you know, just made me know that I made the right choice when I decided to sign up with the Kick Knowledge team and Kick Knowledge decided to come to rap analysis because, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like my inscription said, 10 of those projects, you know, just got whoosh, crossed off the list, man. Whoa, and but, um, uh, yeah. it's, it's really likewise because, like, I'm just, we're going to talk about this more in depth, but a big part of my talk about the mm -hmm. one you attended uh, a, a significant portion of my dissertation, my PhD dissertation, revolves around uh, the uh, connection between language and music, and mm -hmm. especially focusing on melody and rhythm, or so pitch and rhythm. And um, just to like highlight, chapter number one in Martin's book is rhythm, and it focuses on micro timing, right? Like the exact timing of rappers. Chapter two was melody, and you're actually breaking down why melody is a is mm -hmm. an important part of rapping, even though it's often ignored. <laughs> we'll Fast get back forward. to that later, probably yeah, with a few yeah. interesting quotes. But that I mean, that is exactly the argument I'm making. So it's like, um, it's like, uh, it's I do. I'm so happy with this book, not just because I like got it for free. Um, if you didn't get, <laughs> yeah, if that's you, true. If yeah. you weren't in the awesome position of getting it gifted to you. By Martin, yeah, there's yeah. still a lot of reasons to buy it because it's a really interesting, really well thought out book that is, uh, in many ways, I think, uh, um, ahead of its time, or at least at the forefront of like where we should be going with with, with, sort with of studies, yeah, hip hop studies and whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just it's really interesting and i can't wait to like read the rest of it uh it's a shame that i haven't even been able to finish it yet because of other commitments but it's so so interesting so yeah 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 it, is it cool if i just give like a broad outline of the book real definitely, quick definitely man go ahead it's uh, it's all okay yours. yeah yeah so this book oh god and like we were saying you know it came together four years ago is when i signed the original contract mm -hmm. and it went through an original draft a new draft, a new draft after that, then a final draft. So, I mean, what you're getting is like the best of the best yeah. of um, sort of my ideas on rap. You know, whether you've seen the Vox videos, I did the articles from rapanalysis.com. Yeah, yeah. And so the I divide rap really into seven, I, th I think seven parts, right? Melody, rhythm, structure, texture and organization, uh, instrumentalism, instrumentalism, masters yeah, of the Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the exactly, seven chapters, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so and so then I talk about and I kind of in, within each chapter I talk about how rap approaches this really huge, really thorny, really difficult issues like melody. Because I mean, people will even take issue with my definition of melody, as people will take issue with any definition of melody, almost, you know. Yeah. And so we get into a whole lot of topics in the book. Uh, so probably, and you know, tellingly, I open the book with rhythm, right? Yeah. Because I think that's what most strikes people when they hear rap for the first time. And just the number of, what would you say, categories? 
Yeah, know. yeah, just a number of categories I passed through talking about rhythm. I mean, there are additive rhythms from Eve and uh, Big Daddy Kane, right? Even though there's a 4-4 time signature under that. Um, or you have instances of rhythms. Like, my favorite part was 50 Cent. Oh, God, what are they? It's Never Enough, and I can never remember the name of the other one, but he's on a song with Eminem called Never Enough. Oh, it's never enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My untouchable like you got to face it. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. And so what's interesting is that he uses... You can almost trace... Yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, oh, damn, you know the whole thing. Yeah, so if you keep going during that verse... He eventually gets to a rhythm that's a flow sounds better than that. And so what's really funny is during that same year, uh, I guess, no, a year later in 2005, he does How We Do with uh, Game, right? And it's another Dre beat, which is why I know them both. But he uses the same exact rhythm again. It's the same. Ready here come, gotta sit vent. Gotta get this. Tryna be my buck. Better the drama. Set a sip on my. Better my flow sounds better than average. On tracks, I'm a savage. I damage. But it's a year later. It's a new artist, and it's a new project. Uh, so I think it's really cool. And so you get almost this intertextual approach to rhythm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Method Man is someone else who does this. Uh, Method Man really seems to like the rhythm. It's like. Da, 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 you know, uh, and you can hear it on, I think it's called uh, New Woos on um, the Raekwon Only Built for Cuban Links 2 oh, album. Yeah. The uh, sequel then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly, the sequel. So, I mean, this is what I mean, you know, additive rhythms, intertextual rhythms. What was that? Uh, and just go through the whole genre. Uh, was that 2010? When did that come out? Oh, uh, yeah, Cuban it would have been a while ago. I yeah, can look it up real ago, quick. Right? Yeah. Uh, Ray, I have, oh, I don't have a year. Yeah, uh, right. wait, 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 wait. Oh, 2013. So oh, little, 13. No, that's lost jewelry. 2009. You're, you, oh, yeah, nine, yeah, nine, one year nine, off. Yeah, yeah, still yeah, a little yeah. bit off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, you know, going through it all, rhythm, instrumentalism is really what struck me. Because what I do is, yeah. you know, I took Eminem's vocals from uh, something, you know, and he's always ha- had a really sing-songy rhythm in the sense that his pitch goes up and down a lot, right? Mm-hmm. You know, MF oh, yeah. Doom... And Zach's favorite producer, Madlib, they don't do this quite as much, right? Uh, so even MF Doom, when I put his song "Vomit Spit" into Audio Score, you can see that his vocals just stay right on the F tonic. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, is yeah. it when I'm in an oratory, glorious like a horror story, yeah. and then he kind of goes down at the end. Yeah, that's kind uh, of what uh, what would like sort of what my East Coast rappers did in my yeah. uh, sort of project, whereas like the guys on the West Coast were like. A lot of fluctuating. All the way up and down. Oh, yeah, we saw that with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, and so how many octaves they move, uh, how big is it, how often they go. But, yeah, yeah, and so talking about that, um, but then you compare Eminem, and I would compare his ranges to sort of singers' ranges, right? You know, they always talk about Freddie Mercury. His range was what? Four octaves and a major second or whatever it is. But, But then you start to get these comparisons of, like, oh, Eminem's range in rapping is comparable to uh, Freddie Mercury's range in singing. So what I really liked about this was that I just had no filter. Like, I had no agenda, I guess I would say, right? I could really just research the rap genre how I wanted to. I didn't have to impress anyone. I didn't have to meet any deadlines. I didn't have to fit a certain conference. Unadulterated. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 
Interesting. It's just, and it gets really into, uh, what do you say? It's like playing them in the mud is how I would say it. Like I kind of throw the kitchen, the fucking kitchen sink at it and just see what comes out. Cause really (laughs) the takeaway of the book is at the back. You go to the back and there's an index and it's lists 56 rappers and I think 135 songs. And that is really the takeaway that this artistry, yeah, this artistry is not limited to Nas and Eminem and Kendrick Lamar and Kanye. You know, it even goes to the, the, what would you say, the pop star rappers uh, game shows this off all the time. Probably the motivic development chapter is what blew my mind the most. But I mean, man, yo, like Waka Flocka is in there, man, because you know what my favorite thing about him is uh, Karma, his song Karma. Uh, which was, would have been 2010, I think, off the Flock of Valley album. But if you listen mm-hmm, to it, yeah. he starts off, uh, you know, and so it's 4-4. But what he starts off is he starts off with nine quarter notes. And so this, just for a tiny little second, you feel like the song is in an odd meter, mm-hmm. you know, th- that it's like a 4-4 four, four plus 5-4 or something like that. Mm-hmm. When really what the producer has done or what Waka Flocka did is just remove the musical background from it, you know? So now his voice is the only one giving you information. There are no bass kicks. There are no snares. Mm-hmm. And so it just does come across as a little rhythmic trick. That makes the rest mm. of it sound so awesome. That's uh, interesting because like Waka Flocka is not the first artist you exactly. might think of if you're thinking of yeah, guys heady, that are innovating or yeah, the yeah, flow, this flow heady wise, intellectual. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, man, I bump his shit all the time. So I'm really just not buying this breakdown between you know the roots. Of course, they can play Jimmy Fallon's show. You know, so the roots are over here and they're great and they're quote unquote real rap or real hip hop because they play instruments or whatever. You know, it's just it's at every level sure, of yeah. the genre is, a, is what I would say, yeah. which is why I'm so excited uh, that all three of us study the kind of things that we do, because I just think there's a lot of places to go from here, you know, and yeah, I think, totally. yeah, I really hope that book becomes almost like a handbook, not that it would not that it's the final word, but just like. Oh, I wonder what how I wonder how long the chorus is in uh what's the one? Oh, the gangster shit song by Outcast from two thousand three or whatever, you know. Because I can tell you it's twelve bars. You know, like I wonder how long the vocoder outro in Runaway is. It's sixty four bars. I wonder what the key of Vomit Spit is. It's F. You know, and so I just really wanna because for a long time it's like you and I, us three are at a great place in talking about rap. Because we've always grown up with it, you know, but the professors who are already on the faculties, they, I think to a certain extent, they can't sort of cast as broad a net as us. No, But Because, yeah, because they have to go in certain directions, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love their stuff and it's great and it was foundational and we probably couldn't do what we're doing now. No, we're a new generation. There is like, we're part of a new generation that has the responsibility of taking it to a to a level because we grew with hip hop like yeah we're we're i mean even though we're i guess neither of us um being suburban white kids um you know what i mean like yeah, but, yeah. but we're not 100% authentic members of the culture but we we soaked up hip hop as kids be it be it through friends siblings whoever gave you access yeah. to the music and it's just yeah so we're I would part say, of that new generation 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, especially when we're talking about within the context of sort of within academia, I mean, I always make the comparison, and people make comparisons between hip-hop and jazz all the time. You know, Robert Glasper even said that, like, you know, jazz is the mother of hip-hop, and I agree, agree with that, Oh yeah, and I think that's true yeah. in many ways, but I would say even within the context of academia, I mean, like, think about, like, in the 30s and 40s, with which... You know, which is when stuff like swing and bebop was becoming really huge and people were starting to take jazz more seriously as an art form. But within the context of academia, no one was really, I mean, that was, you know, guys like Schoenberg were teaching at universities and there wasn't really, but now there's like jazz studies programs all around the country. And it's like, yeah. So I feel like there's a possibility that sort of hip-hop and hip-hop studies in academia might sort of evolve in the same way where it's just like now that's like we're 40 plus years into the genre and it's sort of evolved enough to where i was you know, um, i was at a talk today uh at ucla uh by mm-hmm. uh professor uh, uh Durante. he was um he's doing research he's an anthropologist he's doing work on jazz um and uh it was super fascinating really interesting um, one of the things that was sort of mentioned in his talk was um, how, in a way, the fact that jazz was embraced by the academy also, um, sh- yeah, sure, st- stunted the the growth of the genre or the, in a way, it's like if you start working for, for like as an artist, if you partner with the academia with scholarship whatever but it also sort of halted the development of, of the genre and I, I i i don't know it, it's interesting to think of that as hip-hop studies is growing you know because we're like still yeah i mean actually yeah i was sort of talking about this on twitter uh with a great uh writer and beat maker named uh amir saeed mm. and i got to know him because uh, D- uh yo phillips of dj booth sent me a copy of his oh, book yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got it somewhere. Yeah, you guys probably saw that. And me and him were kind of uh, talking about this and I mentioned that I was like, you know, jazz obviously had its Coltrane, right? The guy who's just so far ahead of his time, innovates it, yeah. makes it crazy, turns it into something that no one ever thought it could be. Yeah. And I think I threw out this sort of Twitter thing to be like, oh, um, who is hip-hop's John Coltrane? And I kind of posited that, like, I don't know if we've really had it yet. Uh, sorry, I got to know him because he edited, yeah, The Book of Yo in the series Best Damn Hip Hop Writing by <laughs> Travis Yo Phillips from DJ Booth, uh, edited by Amir Ali Saeed. Yeah, and just, uh, uh, Yo is the guy from the uh, uh, First Listen Reviews, too, right? Yeah, yeah, That's exactly, exactly. Thing I heard. Yeah, That's you love those, where right? I first heard about him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, Saeed had a great point, though. He said, Jazz interfaces with classical much more easily than hip-hop does because jazz is still made with instruments which means it still has harmony and classical you know western european art music is all about harmony so that's just yeah so so but like hip-hop you know and i run into this uh struggle all the time because i actually i take composition classes while i'm earning earning my master's degree and i play (laughs) my teacher's beats uh you know the beats i make and so it's just really funny that I think sometimes we're having completely different conversations. We're using the same words, talking about the same stuff, and both of us are leaving with different ideas. You know, that's I, interesting. Yeah, 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 and that's why I loved 
so much uh, and why I wanted so bad to work with Kicknowledge is because I could tell that like you guys got it not just on an intellectual level but on a cultural level you know because sure, like yeah. yeah dog we it's weren't born the in the night yeah yeah like we weren't born in the 1970s in the Bronx and we weren't fucking there uh, in the first block <laughs> parties but like we understand that the culture has to be approached from a number of different angles or otherwise you will just show off this scholarly bias so bad so like yeah. like you guys do like we all do you got to make beats you got to write raps you got to interview yeah. the rappers themselves like yes write articles but like listen to all this stuff don't just you know intellectualize it into this uh uh incredible thing and it's not that i've heard any rap scholars do that necessarily but i think you see it in other fields and stuff like that and so that's why i just think with hip-hop so like a good example one time is i played someone a beat i made and she was like she was like uh it was in c major and i put it in c major obviously oh okay so what i did was you know i took the 808 <laughs> drum machine and actually i had this idea after i read zach's article zach you wrote that great article on yeah, the 808 on the 808 history yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and what it drove home to me was that the 808 has this sort of extra musical existence that the 808 mm -hmm. is not just important because it makes music it's important to the culture because it connects africa bambata to metro Boomin. You know, they mm -hmm. use the same yeah. sounds just for different purposes. Overarching, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, the 808 drum, in a way, almost represents rap itself. And so what I did was I took... Uh, and what's great about the 808... Nice, yeah. Yeah, what I, took, what I took from the 808 was... You know, and the thing about the 808 is that none of the sounds really actually sound like the real-life sounds, right? You know, you go on the Wikipedia page oh, yeah. and read reviews of the 808 when it first came out, and people called it like, oh, it sounds like the sound of a yeah. electric ants marching, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, right. which is a beautiful yeah, yeah, yeah. metaphor. <laughs> but, and so I took the worst, what I think of as being like the worst sound, which is funny because, Zach, we talked about, I don't know if you put it in your article, but it's in um, All Night I Was Drinking, All Night I Was Drinking. What's that chant song? From coloring book, uh, oh, Knox yeah, yeah. is on oh, it, oh, yeah, yeah. and, and the little the little clave sound. I think it's clave, yeah, yeah. not a cowbell. Comes in, you know, it's like. And Dr. Dre uses mm. this too in Lalo, two thousand three. And so what I did, exactly. But what I did with the sample, since you know it represents rap, all of hip hop to me, I took it and I pitched it down four octaves. And when mm -hmm. you do that, Definitely. it sounds like a bass kick, right? You know, mm -hmm. you get this really kind of, I wouldn't call it ugly, but maybe just blank sound of like, boom. You know, there's no yeah, punch yeah. to mm -hmm. it. It's just like a circle. Uh, yeah. And then I pitched it down 20, 24 semitones. And what's that give you? That gives you a snare. So now we're just going mm -hmm. like, boom, tick, boom, tick. And then, that's cool. And then that's I put the clave cool. over it. Yeah. And so then I. This is basically one sound was making your entire drum kit. <laughs> and that's literally yeah, what yeah. I did. That's so always. Then, yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. And so then in the final eight. Uh, dude, the song is long. It's eight and a half minutes. But then in the final minute, I finally turned that one sample into like a good beat. I turned it into the piano, you know, a pad. If you slow it down a lot, then all of a sudden you get like this kind of like. You know, because. The waves mm -hmm. aren't quite there, so you actually hear the waves moving their volume up and down, I guess, which when you play it fast, is just the pitch. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, yeah. and then I let off with this Adam Bradley book. You know, if you open Book of Rhymes, it says the very first sentence is, this is hip hop. And the really cool thing about Book of Rhymes by Dr. Adam Bradley from 2009 is that he wrote the opening chapter as a demonstration of the principles of the book. 
because he wrote it like a spoken word thing. I mean, this is hip hop. You're really telling me that this man who knows poetic meter, who knows musical meter, just by chance, the very first sentence of his book explaining the poetry of rap has exactly four syllables in it. Like, come on. That's not like, this is hip hop. This is hip hop. You know, and so I took that and I let off and I go like, this is hip hop. And then I blow, I bring in the 808 sound and then that just really drives home the metaphor for me yeah, uh, because yeah, because then the rest of the song is I take writings by Shea Serrano, uh, Adam Crims, who's uh, Fernando Orihuela, and then um, Dr. Bradley and mine and Dr. Guthrie Ramsey from Penn. And the last one is Dr. Anthony Kelly from Duke because he was <laughs> he was the climax. His reading is the climax, obviously. And then I turn his article into rap at the end of the song. And so what does this really long story point out? First, <laughs> That's th- interesting. That, yeah, and so it's just that you have to engage with the culture from tons of points of view, you know, like all of us do. Totally. Because it's yeah. like, dog, like how many, you know, Zach or Steven, I could ask you right now, how many times have you had a breakthrough in your research or your articles? Maybe you guys could talk about one right now. Where I you just th- had one today. Yeah, well, 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 like where you think like, well, what would Jay Dilla have done? What would Dr. Dre have done? What would Snoop Dogg have done? You know, because I think that to me is the really fun part where you can put yourself in their shoes and be like, well, if I was an amazing fucking rapper, how would I make, how high and low would I make my voice? (laughs) True, true. Excuse me. (laughs) We we bow down. But, But no, yeah. And so it's just a really great way to approach it from so many different ways, I think. I think it's just necessary, you know? 100 yeah definitely no that's so um uh, uh <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, uh dr anthony kelly who is mm. uh who you quote in your book on melody and it's interesting that you use his perspective sort of mm-hmm. like you literally using all perspectives to approach a culture you quote yeah. him and it i i feel like you, we were talking about sort of us being a new generation uh, in hip hop studies, or or even in musicology, I guess for you to, uh, mm-hmm. since you're a music theorist, and I'm sort of a linguist, linguist dabbling yeah. a bit in musicology, um, uh, but but um, this really, and that's what I like about the book, uh, what I've read so far, and what I sort of knowing you and the website and everything, knowing your work, what I uh, like about this a lot is that you, well, you quote uh, Dr. Kelly from uh, Duke University, right? Mm-hmm. And um, at one point, he wrote an article in 2011, so that's relatively recently. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote, A musical culture dominated by rappers is virtually bankrupt. It is reassuring that even a pop venue like American Idol recognizes the singer for vocally managing actual pitch, rhythm, and a relationship to harmony, not the rapper, who creates a vocal art devoid of pitch specificity unless assisted by the ludicrous crutch known as autotune. Rap requires no precise tonal the specificity. Ludicrous crutch. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Rap requires no precise tonal specificity from the consumer or listener. Now, if if I read a quote like that, it just highlights to me how how in des- how much the academy sort of needs a new viewpoint because mm-hmm. this is a this is a guy. I mean, it's it's Duke. It's not just your tenured <laughs> professor. Yeah, what's even funny is you know who else teaches department. at Duke. You know who else teaches a dude? Yeah. Ninth, Ninth Wonder. Wonder. Yeah, and uh, Michael, uh, what's his name? Michael Neil Hampton, I think. He does, like, the mm. class on Illmatic uh, yeah. with 
Ninth, yeah, yeah. And and that's so and that's the same university and apparently those guys never speak because there's no way no, that, yeah. there's no way that you could still argue this today. Argue, like cuz it's like regardless of all the all the contributions, valuable contributions he's made to the field, like this is just so wrong, like so mm. so ignorant. I, I I mean more than that, I think it's uh polemical. More than anything else, you it's, know. Yeah, it's it's not. I, just, I think it's yeah. there's a, it, there's an attitude in there of like, it, it's yeah, out to make a polemical. point. Yeah, exactly. you know. And so you think, yeah, because yeah. um, hmm? Martin. So yeah. you and I both are kind of within the field of music, music studies. Side, yeah. So you, we both have kind of this perspective, because what what has always been surprising to me is that like, I feel like hip hop. Because I guess there's obviously, like, there's a culture of hip-hop that goes along with just with the music as well. But, I mean, I see all these other fields, whether it's, like, in liberal arts or other fields in the humanities, like, you know, linguistics, Ooh. obviously, like, you know, Stephen. And then, like, anthropology and, um, I'm trying to think what else, like, media studies. Yeah, like, all kinds of other fields who are doing a lot of really cool stuff with hip-hop. And then the Even only one like that I've seen and stuff, yeah. that hasn't really Grasp. done yeah that's interesting as near as never, much yeah i never considered that i think i think that's a great point though i mean look like god i i gotta say i might be dipping out fellas this might be my swan song in a, a, academia you know but the master's degree because it's just like look you can talk a lot about it but i've become extremely disillusioned with scholarship and i think i've come to realize it's mostly musicological scholarship because mm. like in the science there's a commonly accepted method of arriving at new knowledge and linguistics is within this field i you can't even yeah. call it hard science because when you say hard science people think stem you know science uh technology yeah, engineering math. Coat, like a uh, white lab coat and stuff. yeah but, yeah, but yeah, it's sure. even bigger than that but like yeah. when you get to and i imagine uh literature seems you know english seems not to suffer from this because rap is in english and it is poetry and that's obvious but like music musicology as a field does not have a commonly accepted form of arriving at new knowledge you can't test it there are no hypotheses to be tested, yeah. to run tests yeah, yeah. on. It's not empirical knowledge. So what I realize is it really oftentimes just comes down to who Opinions. you are, yeah, <laughs> where you teach, and who can sort of make the most flashy opinion, you know? Because some of the fucking papers I've been subjected to in my class, I felt dumber after I read them. You know, and these are people, God, yeah, like Jean-Jacques no. Natier, who thinks he can pull one over on me by, like, surveying third-grade students on what the meaning of Symphony Fantastique is. And it's just like, no, that's not science. Just because you ran a survey, like, Stephen, your survey on uh, AAE English, that's, yeah. like, scientific knowledge. This oh, guy yeah, showed up... Let's plug that. I need, uh, let's yeah. find more participants for that. I can still... Sign up, yeah, yeah. But yeah. but this guy, you know, Jean-Jacques Natier, famous uh, music theorist, he went and he asked grade schoolers of, uh, to tell the story of Symphony Fantastique. You know, this is the Hector Berlioz, uh, what would you say, symphonic poem, I guess, from the 1800s mm -hmm. that purports to tell a tale of, I don't even fucking know, an opium dream, a witch, cabal, whatever. And obviously these third graders did not tell this Berlioz story. They came up with like, oh, it's about a war or a battle. And Natier thought that this proved something about the emotive potential of music, when really it doesn't, because that's just, there is no, like... It's just highly subjective. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it wasn't, what would you say? Could you reproduce it? You know, was it vetted? 
What are we yeah. sure that there that's wasn't actually confirmation? the best question? Could you reproduce her? That's yeah. like, yeah. like, is that's there confirmation? The, I mean, there should be at the basis of the scientific method in a way. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. If, if somebody else does exactly the same methodology, is, is it possible to do that? And then, you know, and then it, like, figure out. I mean, yeah. like, like Zach, just run back through like the number, the past few five or six papers. How many different approaches do you find? How many different techniques? How many different conclusions? Where do they stop in their arguments? It's just such. Mm -hmm. So it, this sounds like an attack on musicology when really it's not. What I'm saying is that it comes down to eventually just yeah. the pa almost. Yeah, like the trappings of your argument, I would say. And as it happens. Our generation is not in these positions of power. You know, the advantage I think people our age have is that we put no limits on what hip hop can do. We yeah. have just never been familiar with a hip hop that was not possible to do everything. You know, hip hop, hip hop rappers, uh, rappers have been elected as fucking politicians. Rappers yeah. have performed at Carnegie Hall. Rappers okay, have performed at the Kennedy Center. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, there's no. There seems to be no limit to. It's it's interesting. It just that's what I um at the risk of like I don't know um, comparing people like a Dr. Kelly that that I just quoted from your book mm -hmm. um, to somebody like Justin Williams at Bristol mm -hmm. um, who shut up like. Uh, yeah. yeah definitely uh, we know he listens sometimes so um, another friend of the pod come <laughs> another, on the pod yeah. yeah yeah he's offered to be on the pod i think so oh, nice. um, we're yeah i have that hopefully really soon anyway like he is a he's a musicologist we're, he, he's a musician too um and he writes a, he writes this he wrote this book about musical borrowings and hip-hop and at, at oh, some yeah, point yeah, yeah. there's a chapter in that book and he literally approaches the music like the production style of dr dre by looking at the at the context of the music namely that dr dre intended the music to be listened to in low riders in los yeah. angeles that, that's so brilliant that the, the yeah. low end of the of the mix was more is important meant to drown out the noise of the street it's like can you imagine that kind of approach that sort of out of the box kind of thinking when you're yeah. looking at music from from people from this generation that came before him it's impossible because they're stuck in their ways they're stuck in their ways yeah. of, of you don't analyze jazz music like that like there's but but hip-hop is a is a new sort of and i think yeah. that's that's actually that's something that i i struggle with to try to explain to either older scholars or people who aren't involved in hip-hop studies is that because the the way with whether it's music theory or musicology is the way sort of music has been analyzed. And I talk about this, or I'm currently going to write something uh, along the lines. Yeah, and my thesis is that, yeah. like, uh, and this is sort of changing within the realm of not only hip-hop studies, but just popular mm. music analysis sure. in general, yeah. is, like, whenever, like, you study a composition, like, that implies that you're staring either at, like, a score or a piece of sheet. Music exactly. Or even, like, and that's why, like, yeah, yeah. 
That's why the first chapter of the book is all about notation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I mean to say is that our generation really just has to have a great imagination when it comes to hip-hop. You have to mm-hmm. be like, so this is why my shit with rap is crazy and why, like, no one... You know, we've talked about it. Dog, you open that. What is the notation in? It's in two noctuplet groupings of a 4-4 <laughs> bar. And, like, yeah. who would ever have thought of that? So I've even thought of, like, metrically modulating uh rap songs like say it's in a hundred multiply that by nine over eight and then i can represent my noctuplets in straight notation but it just won't be at the tempo of the original song (laughs) yeah but it's like this is how you got to get creative so another thing i thought about like we're we're, we're trying to figure out ways to represent things that aren't possible in the current system so you came up with a noctuplet i'm sort of i've got like a midi based representation of rhythm yeah you have the, the heat map like, yeah, like uh, you, you want to explain the heat like map of mini- micro timing? Yeah. So, so what I yeah. what I'm this was awesome. my research is yo. Like, this was this was dope. This was dope. Yeah. Yeah. We should get into like I you should put really, video of it up. Yeah. At some point, yeah. I really want to do that. We're, we're thinking of things. To, yeah. I mean, we've discussed options for that, but hopefully, we'll get to that in uh, in the near future. But uh, yeah. So what I what I did is I'm recreating in sort of MIDI format, so the sort of electronical way of representing um music right mm-hmm. um briefly put um i'm representing rap flows and then i can quantify those midi uh data and sort of take averages of it um and produce a sort of r- rhythmical heat map to show mm-hmm. which particular beats in a bar are usually hit by rappers and mm-hmm. in the sense figure out what a sort of prototypical rap bar sounds like for a certain yeah. rapper or for a certain regional style. And and it's it's another way of trying to represent sort of the subtleties of rap. And um and you've uh uh you've come up with a way of representing sort of mm-hmm. subtle rhythmic differences that aren't easily represented in in a sort of usual approach. I've come up with another one. It just goes to illustrate i mean zach is working on sampling uh like how the how the samples of jay dillard a big part of that is that they're not quantized in Mm. the uh the episode with uh sarah the instrumentalist that recently came out her sort of new brand is uh, shout out her new brand is no quantize so it's like yeah it's it's like don't quantize it and and i mean that's the important part of like jay dilla's music looking at the vox video where this was highlighted um mm. recently oh yeah and, yeah, and so yeah zach is figuring out ways i mean he can t- probably tell you <laughs> about this a lot better than i can but yeah, trying yeah. to figure out ways to represent the non-quantization of jay dilla's beats and we're all trying to figure out what makes ways to analyze or represent what makes hip-hop rap production whatever it is that is hip-hop what makes it work what makes it special what makes it unique and um and yeah we got to be creative and figure out new tools i mean let you, zach you you should be talking about this i don't know why no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, no you're good you're good um especially when kind of going back to what i was talking about earlier um with like record like especially when we're talking about recordings in music analysis because so much of music studies like whenever you're listening to a recording of a piece like yeah. that's you're not listening how do i explain this like mm-hmm. you are aware that you are listening to someone like a recording of the piece 
yes. being played. You're not listening to the piece itself. There is a sort yeah, of abstract, yeah. abstract But when you were talking, even with it's, it's like, when we're talking about, whether it's rappers or, talk, especially when we're talking about like instrumental hip hop stuff, like Dilla's Donuts or whatever, yeah. like when you're listening to that, that is the composition. It's not a recording of the composition. No, yeah, is, exactly. There is no it, underlying, that is, that's it. That's exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. So you and can't it's represent like, that in a in a sort of standard way because the standard way wouldn't accurately reflect what the actual composition is. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no such thing as no. This is just this is a syncopated way of playing it. No, it doesn't work like that with samples. That is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's and not so that's underlyingly something else. Then I mean, that's the recording. Yeah. Yeah, and so so really one of the departure points for my exactly like we're talking about representation project of rap is I posit exactly is this is what we've been talking about right because when Mozart sits down and he wrote whatever piece symphony whatever he uh, yeah. he, he he wrote it down in parts to give to someone else right but then when i create notation of what was the first one i let's say earl from earl sweatshirt i'm not creating this notation so that it has to be easily understood it's i'm not creating it so it has to be played by someone else you want to document it yeah exactly so it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense when you look at it because you know what man we got computers now and computers do everything for us so yeah Yeah. i can use noctuplets and it might not make sense on first glance but you put it on your fucking computer you will hear the exact goddamn rhythms and so that's why this whole you know a lot of the debates over representation and stuff like that uh seem to be slightly besides the mark because it's like look think about it who else has to do what we do you know when you study a mozart score shit but from our point of view half your job is already done he gave you what he considered the ultimate uh piece to be but like you know zach with your uh jay dilla like you are four steps behind that you gotta make the goddamn notation again yeah Yeah, (laughs) exactly and so it's just like we have to be really creative and imaginative and just not sort of be afraid to fail to be like it's, it's Shit. interesting to think wasn't beethoven deaf at the end of his life yeah yeah so he never actually heard a lot of the stuff that he wrote it was so like um just to like how, how impossible yeah. that would be for a guy like jay dilla there's no way he could have written out his music you know yeah. what i mean and exactly. that's just not that's, that, that's not appropriate that, for that, that kind of music mean you know anything it just wouldn't exactly. mean anything yeah, yeah mm-hmm. you, you know, and so this is one of the things I've posited in the book is that, like, look, a lot of these solutions you can talk about, or a lot of these techniques, you can talk about them as an oral culture or a division of labor. Mm-hmm. But really, it's sort of like a really elegant solution to a, to a lot of different problems, right? Yeah. Because look at Jay Dilla when he was, let's say that he's, like, fucking six years old and he was born wherever, in Detroit. You know, yeah. he doesn't have as easy access to an orchestra as someone born next door to Juilliard in Manhattan who's the son of two hedge fund managers or whatever you want to say and maybe jay dill is not the best producer but take someone else well if jay dill is just like well shit i don't need an orchestra i'll just sample everyone boom there's your orchestra and if jay dill is like well i don't know how to notate music then you can just be like well shit i won't notate my fucking music and then so you you start to get these really this rich musical culture i guess is where i feel like it comes from um, like back in the day uh like my my dad sort of aside from his well, we've talked about this before of sort of the musical linguist family right yeah um, exactly that's like, hilarious I mean, as a composer at some point to like register his work for copyright reasons he had to have it notated so he actually like the, back in the ASCAP. day that's how and, it and this is exactly what and i he mean actually and he he was he never read 
cheap music. Like that wasn't how he made his music yeah. or whatever. He, so he actually took lessons, but the lessons were not him taking lessons because he was probably it was just he no might day. actually have been a way better pianist than the guy than who was teaching guy. it. Yeah, but yeah. they were sort of together figuring out how to like notate yeah. the music that he wrote because because he had to to like copyright his stuff you know what i mean so yeah it's like, and, and like these are exactly the small kinds of institutional Jay hurdles Dilla having to notate his stuff to like yeah i mean yeah. and these are the small kinds of stuff that people use in order to preserve their power over prestige and stuff like that it's why kendrick lamar hasn't won a general category of uh grammys yet you know yeah and so it's a, a small thing is, but it's like Think about it, yo. Who? How old it's is not the a small thing, though? It's like it's, oh, it's oh, that, that, just completely. That, yeah, exactly. It, I'm sorry. It's a small thing. The whole Grammys. Yeah, it's, it's the the fact that it, those records didn't win. Oh yeah, like, I'm just saying it's a small butterfly. thing that that leads to like huge consequences, I guess. Yeah, but yeah, the sure. uh, um, but yeah, and I mean, like, look at your department heads, yo. Like, how old is that person, dog? 55, 60. So when they were what my my. Okay, excuse me, but my mom is 61. I hope she doesn't hear this podcast. So she was born in 56. Rapper's Delight came yeah, comes out when too. she was yeah. comes out when she's 23. So let's say that our department heads is 61. They are 23 and rap was just born. Okay? So like by the time they're 23, if they're really good, what? They've been taking lessons since they were 5. They've been 18 years on their instrument. They've heard their repertoire. You know, they've heard the violin concerto. Say they play violin. They've heard the Samuel Barber violin concerto. They've played tons of concerts. So, like, their view of what music is and what it can do and what it should look like and who should make it is already strongly... It's. I mean, for all intents and purposes, man, like, it's over. Their formation there is done. They don't want to look it up. And, you know, I would like to say that I have learned... I will say that I have learned something from detractors of rap because like yeah. real talk i don't have to put up with the uh you know we were talking about it before uh dr kelly is a as a as a critic of rap not a negative connotation to that word but like i don't have to sort of deal with the blowback of rappers you know of how they present themselves publicly because like shit i'm white you know so like if whoever wears a giant chain with money falling from the ceiling in magic city in their music video like that does not reflect on me so i will say that like there is no bad blood here you know i've learned tons from dr kelly just to make that absolutely no, yeah clear. Let's, let's i mean i don't know in person but let's make that clear we're like yeah yeah of, because of, it's it's more like i will say sim- yes symbolism of like a generational gap divide uh, yeah yeah i mean yeah because he's probably he's got to be 50 something now so it's just that you know i've almost learned probably more from his critique because it was so heartfelt and it made me realize this is really what it drove home to me is that for a long time i wanted to you know there's a big debate over music is pure music art is pure art can it ever be truly free of its social context and i guess dr kelly made me realize in its own roundabout way that like Rap will always be a product of a time and place and a people. However, you want to define the you know the time and the place and the people where it comes yeah, but from. I mean, but, but I mean, blues. I mean, the, the, the gangster rappers of of like the eighties and nineties, they would have been blues musicians if they grew up in the but early twentieth century. Yeah, that's true. So and, like, and they and had the same. No longer critiques. is associated with with like that. So alcoholism, homelessness, yeah. whatever. Yeah, exactly, and uh, yeah. I mean, and, and guys like Johnny Cash, Isn't they wrote about killing people all the time, but it's not like he's, yeah, like, that's country is associated with, yeah. you know what I yeah. mean? So it's, yeah, yeah. Is, 
It's so interesting how, like, yeah, just the stereotype of, like, okay, the blues musician stereotype used to be, like, oh, they're just a bunch of druggies and alcoholics and, yeah, making shit up. And then yeah. that was then it became jazz musicians and then it became rock and roll and then it became yeah rappers and, and, then, and, so, and so that is why i think it's like we just gotta wait them out man you give us 10 so. years those people will become tenured retired whatever you want to say uh and, you, and you'll be in the right position at the right time you know i think it is just like to me right it reminds it, me of that john mayer song we, we keep on waiting for the world to change <laughs> <laughs> One day our generation is going to rule the population. <laughs> oh man, I, I'm not overly familiar with the John Mayer uh, discography. There's no but, reason to. Be. <laughs> yeah, but but like to me, I guess I feel like, oh man, I feel like classical music, like its time is up. You know, but and, and now the world's great heritage is uh, black vernacular music. You know, like we've been saying, it's the blues, it's the jazz, down to hip hop, rap, and whatever comes next. And I just feel like now hip-hop has sort of filled that void that classical music retreated into um because classical music you know i think it has an overemphasis on technique now and not really whether it sounds good or not like it's just so dude yes okay i'm i'm agreeing with you a thousand percent yeah it's so weird because it's like whenever from like a personal standpoint it's so simple it's just so simple if people don't listen to your music it can't be good music it just well, there, 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 there's like a law. I don't know. There's like a physical <laughs> law of like no. I'm sorry. Like the music, music is waves. If no one, yo, my brother put it best, man. It was a total slam. He was like, if a genre falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it? Is it really a genre? Really and he just yeah. like erased classical music. And it's like true, man. It's like well, if if let's say kids now grow up on Kanye West and not Mozart and in 15 years they're making tributes to life of pablo and my beautiful dark well who is really the better music maker you know and i well, i use music maker so you can compare composers and producers and rappers yeah, yeah, and totally, instrumentalists yeah. but uh, going yeah the point that you made just kind of about like the technical aspect because like i mean for my undergrad i took saxophone lessons so weekly boring. and it was like it made me like hate the saxophone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like I just got so because it was like, okay, this is the right way to do it. Yeah, and you got to match, and you got to practice four you hours. You have to a have day. the right tone. You have to have the right yeah. fingering. But yeah. when I make, whenever I make beats, I get, I've gotten way more enjoyment. I mean. the, the drum machine. It's just so simple and elegant. You can yeah. just do whatever you want. It's like they're almost like, okay, we're not shitting around anymore, guys. We know there's five four. We know there's nine eight. We know there's shuffle feel, but really, it just comes down to four beats in a bar, okay? So we're gonna make a grid. It's gonna be four four, and no, we're not gonna do the weight thing. Like you play this louder, and it'll sound louder. You play this softer, it'll sound softer. Yeah, like no fix dog. velocity, fix yeah, velocity. You, on. you hit it, whatever. You just find the dopest fucking shit. Cause I think that's the thing that's really fun about the book is that i just talk about uh like almost what rap's aesthetic is and it's just if it sounds dope put it in the song man kung fu film flicks put it in the song you know like rizza and wu-tang uh and it's just yeah it really is it is this overemphasis and so i would love maybe shit maybe the next interview should be with a, a famous classical musician because you know it's not about because i've read the articles of milton babbitt who cares if you listen? And I know he didn't give it that title, but at the end of the day, it's just like, I feel like that's the trump card. Like if no one listens to your music, it cannot possibly 
at the end of the day, be good. It might have an impact. Dude, it might especially, change the way music might get mm, made, but especially which just because I, I actually I did take comp- a little bit of composition lessons as part of my degree, like last fall, and it it strikes me as so weird that there's just this like vacuum of academic composition where it's mm. like you have these students that make things and then Dude, it might premiere somewhere. At the worst, at the worst, if I could give it the most bluntest title, uh, it's artistic welfare. It, it, it really, it, it's like artistic bailouts, dog. Think about it. Everyone goes to each other's concerts. They all know each other, but they are the only people at their own concerts. Mm-hmm. This it's is what I mean. So, so it's like if 30 yeah. people all know each other, they can schedule five concerts, six on a program, all go to them, and then you have the appearance of a successful, healthy genre. But really, let's come down to it, you know? And to say a word about the composer thing, I don't actually know if composers realize that producers are doing what they're doing. They're just doing it more elegantly. A lot more. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, because composers more. now... They're do, they're ha- yeah, 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 exactly. yeah. Composers now, it's like you have to be a programmer, right? You write your code in... Uh, not Fluxus. What the shit is that program called? Uh, but there's, like, some complicated... Uh, audio, I guess it's not a digital audio work. I guess it is. It's a DAW. Uh, but it's like super ugly. The interface is awful. It just looks like a fucking, uh, terminal, you know, like a, like a hacker. And this is how you compose music now. I don't realize if they know that there are things called plugins and that there are things called like scripter in logic that automates this. So like, I don't need your compressors. I don't need your dynamic envelopes. Cause you know what? EXS 24 uh, plugin, it has an ASDR where I can literally just move the sliders up and down and that will give me the sound I want. So like, I'm sorry I don't sound like a fucking uh, car technician while I describe my music, <laughs> but it sounds good and people will listen to it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this is why I think it does just come down to the outside trappings of yeah. what you look at and not what you hear. And man, I hate it. It, it took an hour and a half, but Martin Connors worked worked up. Yeah. We, 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 we did it. We, we, we got there. It happened sooner or later every episode. He, he and this one was a little later. Intake. He reduced uh, his coffee intake, but we, well, we got yeah. him his dose he, of caffeine. You, you, you got me worked that, up. You got me worked up, man. I mean, it drives me crazy, like, though. I, this is something I was wondering about. I think Zach and I talked about this. I don't think on the on the pod, but like in a private conversation. Um, uh about the fact that I feel like I think you mentioned that a lot of mm-hmm. people studying music theory that you know don't actually make music. Yeah. Or as exactly. Like, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I've said that and before. It, and oh, and, and they hate each other. Like, C- composers and musicologists literally do not talk to each other. They like they're like competing factions, and it's just so uh, contradictory that they would not Dude, sort of work together for fucking real like i've had so many i've been at both music theory conferences and musicology conferences and you'd be like it's funny seeing both sides like kind of bitch about each other yeah like, musicologists exactly. will be like i'm oh, music theory so i care about it. and then and then like i'm in the middle where i'm just like what this is stupid why are we like yeah. feuding we're, we're doing the we? same thing it all comes up down to, it all comes down to a division of a vanishing pie of resources yeah. Oh, God. And this is why, obviously, man, just cut down the middle, jump the gap, bridge it, be a musicologist and a composer or, or and a exactly. producer. And you that know, is what, and that is exactly why hip hop studies is so interesting to me, because it's not just music theorists and musicologists talking to each other. It's, it's everyone talking to musicologists yeah, like uh, right now. It's people in religious studies. It's people in media studies, yeah. uh, historical uh, art 
whatever the literature analysis, whatever your field is, people are talking to each other, right? And that, yeah. And that's, and that's, that's in a way that's just inspiring and it can help people out. Like, yeah. Because like, I, I, like right now I'm like, well, look at, to, to use myself, my own research as an example, I'm, I'm, I'm a linguist sort of entering the world of musicology, music mm -hmm. theory, kind of like with my work. Cause like I realized, Oh, that's something that I want to pursue. I don't have all the knowledge for that. So what do I do? I ask Zach, Hit I ask us Sorry, up. Yeah. I ask Justin Williams, I, whatever. Like, um, you're working on, uh, obviously you're, a, uh, a Martin, you're, you're working on stuff that deals with language. So you're taking a linguistics course. You asked, you asked me, yeah. uh, what, what should I read? And it's like, we're, we're interacting and we're helping the field. We're genuinely doing interdisciplinary work. You know how yeah. people always say interdisciplinary sort of research is the way to go. Like people say that all the time, you know, who does that? Nobody. Cause it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. It is, yeah, yeah. It, you know how much easier it is to to say that interdisciplinary work is nice than to like how much go out and teach yourself a completely it? new discipline. Start, yeah. The moment you start talking to people from other disciplines, you get annoyed because they're not working in the same sort of framework that you are working yeah. in, or or they don't speak the same jargon that you're doing. And, and, and so at some point, you're like. Yeah, in theory this works, but in practice I'm not doing it. But in hip hop, we're actually doing it. Why? Because we don't have the tools ourselves. Yeah. We're figuring out that our tools are limited because hip hop, in a, in a way, it didn't just change the music genre. It changed a lot of things in the world. The way we look at how so the way you listen to music. I, I think. I think what's what's interesting, too, is like, in a way, hip hop always. Has always stayed innovating and it's always pushed boundaries in, mm. in some some ways more obvious than others but um uh while at the same time always still feeling like a sort of counterculture like a sort yeah. of like even though hip-hop is the most mainstream Balance. sort of culture yeah. genre in the world at this it still feels like anti-establishment in a way that's like yeah is, that's yeah that's I, and that's more interesting too because to it's like it feels that way, and yet at the same time, like hip hop is the most consumed genre. Yeah, exactly. Not How only in the country, probably possible? like on planet Earth. Like, yeah. What is that, <laughs> you know? what is that about? Like, what is what does that mean? What does that say about hip hop? How I, how does that even happen? How have we been going for like forty years now? Um, and it's still so with this, strong with this genre, with this culture, and it's still. I, I it's, mean, I think again, I think it comes down like the formula is just so. It speaks to something so primal in all of us, and it's just so transferable, you know, because I, like I said, I met Justin Hunt in L.A., and he said, we were talking about something, and he was like, look, it takes two things to make it as a rapper. It's actually uh, how your voice cuts through the track, you know, you might say, like, delivery, and then it's the kind of speech you're making, and he pointed out, like, well, look, people have been making speeches forever. And people are yeah. just going to go on making speeches. So, like, yeah, man, where did it start? You know, those Bronx New Yorkers in the 70s, they could make speeches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But but, but now it's like the third largest consumer of hip-hop as a country isn't an English-speaking country. It's France. It goes <laughs> America, UK, France. You know, it's yeah. not Canada. Uh, yeah. It's not a Spanish-speaking country like Mexico right next door to the USA. Um, yeah. And so that's why I just think it is – it's a heritage now. Is and that's and that's even ignoring all of the all of the stuff that's happening in in the southern hemisphere, like like or or in Asia. For real, it's like oh, oh yeah, yeah, like we're more I mean, Korea. I'm more familiar with 
Korea. Yeah, D- Dr. Bradley. Dude, he released a translation of Book of Rhymes in Korean. How crazy is that? That the first language, I think it was the first one translated into, was fucking Korean. And we were just listening, literally right before the pod happened, The Young Freestyle by Dream Perfect Regime, you know? Mm, yes, and plus, dog, I've, re- I've read an article about that. I've said, I tweet. I have to tweet about that song at least once a month, just because its flows are so <laughs> fucking dope and just so yeah. smart, how they lead from one to the next. Um, but yeah, it, it really is crazy. And that's why I just think, you know hip-hop scholars are in a really good position because you know i'm taking this black studies course right now called it back to your interdisciplinary point it's called africa and the diaspora so we Mm -hmm. read uh diaspora writers from africa so like ma cesare uh du bois obviously from america harvard uh but and then uh who we just do france fanon or france fanon and this is and so one of the first articles we write in the class said that black studies is always inherently interdisciplinary you know, like, obviously, you have to pull approaches yeah. from a lot of different fields. And it's yeah. almost like hip-hop studies is, I would say, inherently interdisciplinary. You know, like we've been saying yeah. this whole time. that, But, like, hip-hop music media, is interdisciplinary. Like, I yeah. always... It Amen. samples different genres. It's not... You yeah. can't look at hip-hop on its own. It's very... Like, it's... It's all of it. There is... Because there, is, there are no boundaries in that sense. There, It's yeah. all sort of... Got, okay, could we do, like, a quick favorite sample discussion of all time well not of all time but just the one that's on your mind Oof. you go for a sec okay oh, man. okay I, 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 definitely I, I, the the dilla yeah. the dilla siren from donuts one because it's like it's bothering me because for the yeah. longest time i thought i knew where that came from it, it, yeah you said i thought it was it, it's i thought it was i thought it was king of the beats by mantronics and then fucking j-rock on instagram yeah Put that. That's actually. He was like, actually, y'all. That's not the sample. That's not where the sample's from. Oh really? Ah, uh, it's it. Uh, it's not on who sampled. Who sampled really took a lot it's, of the uh, mystery out of it. But yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm trying to remember that what he DJ said. Premiere quote on the Gangstar record, like, stop snitching, like, stop telling. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't remember what he said. Spe- yeah, this is where the. I can't. Who's it by? It's called "Nothing." Nothing can stop us now by Bad Rep. Uh, it's where it came. It's from. not Mantronic. Yeah, it's not Mantronic. Yeah, and ah, I was like, "Okay, what? What the hell?" Like <laughs> for the longest time, and yeah, even says yeah, on yeah. who sampled it's Mantronic. And I'm like, I, because J Rock was like best friend. Like he was really good friends with J Dilla, so I trust him. To, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. there's no reason yeah, you'd yeah. be making that up. But at the same time, I'm like, but, but, but blowing your mind. But for the but. I don't know anything anymore. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, for, for me... My whole life is a lie. <laughs> for me, it would probably be just the one on my mind right now. I mean, if I'm not going to talk about Blood on the Leaves, Nina Simone with Kanye, oh, uh, cool. yeah. uh, it would be uh, Zealots from the Fuji's 1996 The Score. Mm, uh, yeah. It's a sample of uh, 1959 by the Flamingos, I Only Have Eyes for You. And so what I love about this sample is actually not just the sample, but how they've said it. Because if you, and I, I, I always knew this is what I love about the Fugees, because they tell you exactly what they're doing. I always knew that the sample, the start of the sample was divorced from the start of the Fugees bar. So the sample is still four beats long. But this is how the Fuji said it. One, two, zealots, ooh, zealots. 
But yeah. in the original song, this is how it's set. One, two, three, four. Zealots. Ah, it's not a different yeah. yeah, exactly. And so what's really cool in the Fuji's, and actually, I don't think the word is zealots. So I think chop, it's They chopped the word. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. It's not, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so they actually put it on the three, but is, what is really cool to me is that they didn't do anything to try and make it seem like it was always on the three, you know? So it's almost like you have these two... Uh, what would you say? Downbeats playing yeah, yeah, on top yeah, yeah, of each yeah. other. You still feel that even though yeah. it's on the not. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and again, I knew this from never listening to the song before like two weeks ago because they kept the graininess in there. And the cut is like super hard. You know, generally when you try to take a sample, you try to volume fade it. You might put another like a, a, a hard pass on it to get rid of some of that old upper noise or whatever. Or even put an amplifier on it so it all sounds together. But... Not here. They just put it, and I don't think the word is actually zealots in the Flamingo song. It's just, it's kind of one of those things like the Shaka Khan sample in Through the Wire. If you, yeah. it, Kanye pitched yeah, it way through up. Through the fire. Exactly, the, yeah. But since he's saying or, um, wire. He does that again on Life of Pablo on yeah. um, 30 Hours. Because um, that's, like, if you look up the actual sample. Is it, it dirty? It's, um, oh, I have to, well. I'll edit it in, but it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> edit in the audio, Maybe but it's now. it's not actually. He doesn't say thirty hours, Maybe but they now. just sort of reinterpret that. Oh yeah, that blew my mind when I found that, that out. Yeah. It's not yeah, yeah. Like, like the sample doesn't say thirty hours. It says like um. Where the islands go. But he doesn't say thirty hours. But yeah, then, yeah. But then with the oh, that's interesting. Uh, is, is that is that like the super? You know. what? Exactly. Oh, that's the three stacks part in the background, like like the that's really like chorusy or reverby. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that one. So, yeah, uh, so that's, that's again one of those uh, times where like the uh, or uh, another one that is awesome is um, Nas, uh, You the Man, um, from uh, Stillmatic. It samples Sugar Man. So the sample says Sugar Man. Sugar Man. But he yeah. says, you're the man. But he says, sugar man. But it's like, right. the, but the title sounds... of the track is you the man, right? Yeah, so yeah, So it's yeah. like, and it's never actually, Nas never says you the man on the track. But mm. the, the sample just says sugar man, like through the fire is interpreted as yeah. through the wire. Exactly, yeah, and it's, yeah. And it's, it's funny because it's like, it's, it's like the sample itself is like, uh, um, like a double entendre. Like uh, yeah, it's a yeah. mofiness, oh, right? right? It's nearly it a mofiness, yeah. and it's uh, so it's like l lyrically playing with the sample. That's cool to me. Uh, yeah, if yeah. I had to pick my own favorite sample of all time, just um, it's uh, it's it's the piano lube in uh, Mob Deep Shook Ones Part Two. because uh, like uh, because of all that happened happens yeah. with that, how it's pitched down and then chopped up in. That is a Herbie Hancock sample, I think. Yeah, I think so. Chambers, Jes right? Jessica, I think. I believe so. I'm googling it just to not say anything stupid. Uh, yeah, let me see. We talked about googling who sampled with uh, Eric Sermon and how it's sort of a must for any modern yeah. producer. Um, yeah, it's uh, Jessica uh, by Herbie wow. Hancock. Yeah, oh, it is contract. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tight. And, uh, um, and so, what, what, um, what, uh, um, what they did for the sample, what um, Havoc did for the sample is that he he pitched it down, slowed it down.
is two different parts that are chopped together and I believe they're pitched in a different way. So it's like, it's like he's blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's blowing my mind with that. The start of that loop, what I really love is that piano loop, you know, the dun 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 is, uh, it's two, it's two bars long, right? The, if you notice, the rap comes in on the second bar, though, yes, which is why I love up. it. Yeah, and it's which is why it's in the book. It doesn't work. It, yeah, it, it works and so that's really cool. But it shouldn't. It, it it doesn't follow. Yeah, and it, it's so and crazy so that's that tight. It, it, in a way, it gives it this underground sort of vibe because it's so it it's so disjunct. Yeah. yeah, I mean, because you know it should go together, but it doesn't. And the second thing is, yo, it's a small detail, but I love it. It's the reverb on the snare of the yeah. instrumental loop that starts it because it is so unnatural. First off, it is super delayed. Like the mm -hmm. reverb of the snare is like, it must be yeah. 70, 80 milliseconds behind when the yeah. snare actually plays. So you get like this clap, like, and then like a little <laughs> off to the, yeah. yeah. And the other awesome thing about the reverb on that snare is the snare is like in the middle or whatever, but the reverb is panned super hard yeah. to like hard left or hard right. I think it's yeah. hard left. But, and then it, like we're saying, it just gives it this super underground ugly feel of yeah. like, oh my God, my face is about to get erased. It's, you, you, you know, and it's like, I swear to God, it literally sounds like Queensbridge feels yeah. like. Yeah, it's it's just so ugly, but it's so it's so purposefully ugly, but it's just and that's what makes it so awesome to listen to. One of my favorite verse ending lines of all time, take these words home and think it through, or the next rhyme I write might be, about, might be you. about you. That's oh. just like that's just like a game ender. Like there is no comeback, you know, like the battle, the cipher is over at that point. Yeah, Everyone, there's, they, uh, they, there's a few bars I can think that are as and it's funny because one of those is anti mob deep. And anti oh, who, Jay -Z? But it's it's uh it's from uh Takeover Down. Um, um Jay Z says uh to um all my other haters, you only get uh, half, oh, a, get bar. half a bar, fuck y'all. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. um that's tight. It's like you only get half a bar. That is the the most Oh, that is such a power move to say yeah, you're yeah. not even worth a single bar bar you're not even I mean, worth a 16th yeah. part of my verse you're not even you're barely worth a 30 second yeah. <laughs> no my, my favorite my... one of my favorite lines from that is God, uh what a you, you made it line. you made it a hot line i made it, I a, made hot it a hot song yeah, yeah sample it's a voice. great line even, it but i don't agree with it because like the song the, that you took it from song. is already a hot song but it's a yeah. crazy dope line like, yeah i do love that line though it's uh, insane to, to, to think that nas might have actually popped that that would be a career ender Ether. for anyone e yeah. except for... Ether and Takeover, great. Maybe the best feud songs. But that's another great sample. That's actually of The Doors, man. Fucking yeah, Jim Morrison, Takeover. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. we did. Yeah, we would have. Yeah. I, yeah, think, I think we, for some reason, that song keeps coming up because it's just like... And it's in our intro, too. It's, it's so in our intro theme music. Yeah. Both Ether and... Chronic uh, Acknowledge. And uh, Takeover, so... Uh, so um, many of those Ether lines are killer, too, man. I mean, yeah. my favorite is the end... Put you in a dry spot, fellas, in a pine <laughs> box with nine shots from my Glock, fellas. That's the best, because that's BDC Gold's, da, da, you know, da, da, rhyme da, scheme. Yeah. Uh, and so that's just, feel these hot rock, fellas, put you in a dry spot, fellas. Yeah, that's just so, it's cold, man. Put it's fucking, pine box it's cold. Shots uh, also, Glock's how that chorus is set up, how 
there are, it's almost polyphony, right? He's got the one overall line. I fuck with their either they did will. Yeah, yeah, da, 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 like, you know. it, they I, they transition yeah. in each other. It's like they fade in. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I wish it had worked for everyone, but it's like on the third or fourth bar or sentence plus, that it's got it's, there. It's plus he's mocking the "I will not lose Hove" chorus from from uh, uh, from that oh, album. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. I will not lose. No, that's that, that sort of the yeah. Hove thing, and then he fills it in, <clears throat> flipping yeah. it on Jay Z. Oh, really? That's it's, crazy. It's, ah. it's incredible how ether. Yeah. Intricate. How ether could like made Nas survive because that should have been a career ender. Takeover yeah. should have been a career ender. Did Takeover yeah. come out first? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Takeover was uh Takeover came out and then originally it was um uh it ended with X Nas, he don't want it with Hove. No, that was the end. And then uh yeah, Jay Z added later added like a thirty two bar verse deep. about Nas. It was first it was just anti mob deep. And oh, was then, it? Oh, okay. Yeah, and then when uh, Hove came with like the full, uh, uh, Ether didn't come until um, Jay Z sort of. Because I think Nas responded with a stillmatic freestyle. Oh, okay. And then Takeover came out on Blueprint with like a full double verse, yeah. thirty-two bar verse against yeah. Nas, and then yeah, that's yeah, when stillmatic came out. He really he uh, responded with uh, uh, ether. I think that's the sort of timeline of that beef, and then well, super ugly came out. So uh, yeah, yeah, super yeah. ugly, yeah, super yeah. ugly, yeah. But that was like <laughs> Jay Z's mom made made Jay Z apologize to Nas. Really, that. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's yeah, because like because uh, he went after Nas after even though his his mom had just passed away and, and um, yeah, and Gloria oh, Carter was like, Sean, you can't do that, Sean. Yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. Not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's funny hey man well yeah i heard young thug's mom made him go back to the airport and apologize to like two <laughs> attendants he had harassed i don't know man Rap- rapper's mother's mom's out here doing a whole lot of good yeah man that's the, they're sort of the uh yeah <laughs> the gatekeepers yeah the gatekeepers of- <laughs> mm-hmm. oh man this was a very interesting conversation it was uh, yeah yeah so uh man martin um we're so happy just so excited to be uh working together yeah man me too i think it's been going really well so far yeah definitely Um, yeah all right so that was our conversation with martin once again yeah Um, thank you so much for being on the show man yeah thank you so much for having me yeah 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 um if you enjoyed this and you would like to hear more you can check out our older episodes um on or subscribe iTunes. for new episodes, yeah, on iTunes, yeah. Stitcher Radio, and Mixcloud. Mixcloud. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so just make sure to subscribe and follow us on all our social media. We got a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, all that. All that. Yeah, exactly. Um, of yeah. course, you can also find our episodes on our website, kickknowledgepodcast.com, mm-hmm. but also on rapanalysis.com. Make sure to subscribe mm-hmm. for the newsletter. So you get uh, yeah. updates whenever we release a new uh, uh, whenever we release a new episode, um, and also all the other awesome stuff that's going on at rapanalysis.com. Um, yeah, uh, is there yeah is there anything you still want to plug, Martin? Except for nah, your I, awesome I mean, book, which is called "The Musical killer. Artistry of Rap." <laughs> yeah. Killer book, change your life. 
Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so, uh, so rapanalysis.com at the at the rap maestro. You know, hit me up. Uh, email mepc36 at gmail if you've ever got any questions. And just yeah, thanks so much for having me on the episode, guys. Like usual, can't wait to do it again next month. Yes, definitely. It's gonna be a regular thing. Uh, where can oh, they get yeah. the book? Amazon.com. Amazon.com. Musical yeah, it's on Amazon. Yep. You look up. And I don't want to brag. Five star rating. No Ooh. big deal. Ooh. And I haven't Ooh. even rated it yet. Fives across the board. Yeah, man. Go rate. Yes. Go rate. Go vote. Definitely. Definitely. Rock, rock the rate. All right. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, to all our listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for your support. Let us know what you think, right? Send us a message. Uh, send a tweet. DM us. Whatever you want to do. Get in touch with us if you want to. Uh, let us know what you think of what we're doing. If you have any suggestions or comments or praise or whatever it is, we we welcome all of it. And uh, see you next episode. Peace. 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 Ask me if I'm trying to acknowledge, 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 acknowledge.